Hey, Jordan, how's it going? It's going well. I can see you now. Yeah. Yeah, we got into this in our talk, in our upcoming talk. We, we pivoted to video. That's right. We did it. We're doing videos. It's very exciting. Uh, condolences on uh, the the France loss in the World Cup. I know you're a big-time Francophile. I don't know how you're more of a Francophile than me, considering I have the French ancestry and everything, but I don't know how it makes sense, but still very unfortunate. I'm sorry that didn't work out. Our, you, had your, you had your baguette all picked out, and you had your beret on, and the, yeah. the stripy turtleneck. You had the whole getup. Mm-hmm. during the game and it didn't didn't pan out no, it's unfortunate I don't, I, I don't know yeah that was that was sad uh i was definitely rooting for them i really can't stand argentina i mean this this team but also just like their history in the world cup i mean like they like their big win uh before this was like literally cheating to win with the hand of god and maradona just like punching the ball in like it's just such bullshit he's allowed he's allowed to do that's it such bullshit he's a legend <laughs> and like i hate the way they play i really hated how they behaved in the the game against netherlands and especially after they won just like screaming and taunting uh the dutch players after they won on penalties and then especially in this game like near the end of uh, I believe it was the first overtime. Um, just really, really. I mean, beyond, the whole game was a lot of like jersey tugging that went on uncalled. And when they thought they had the win in the second overtime, kicking the ball into the stands to delay it. And then when Mbappe got his second penalty uh, of the game, but his, the overtime that tied it and sent it to penalties they were like trying to kick up the dirt on the penalty spot to create like a divot and an uneven surface it's just like little things like that i really can't stand there i mean you you mentioned it in our conversation with our guest but like diving is a big part of world cup soccer and like high level soccer i fucking hate it i hate it so much and they just they uh, both teams obviously did it but just like on top of everything else when they were doing it just so flagrantly i just really couldn't fucking stand it but on the francophile thing i think it's it's a mix of i'm also part french i didn't know you were i thought you just are you just claiming that because you live in quebec or are you actually french i mean that could be anything (laughs) wow i am but i also really liked i liked thierry Henry growing up when i first got into soccer in like the 90s um i loved Thierry Henry so that that was the origin for me and then I've just been a fan of them since then yeah I didn't really have my I wasn't emotionally invested uh I did enjoy the game a lot though the world the final world cup final was was really entertaining I guess from like a just when I was watching I just I felt like for the Argentinian uh, supporters I think losing after like that that being kind of the one thing that they've not been able to accomplish in the sort of messy era and having that big lead and blowing it and then having another lead and blowing it i was just like preemptively feeling anxious for how horrible of a stomach punch that loss was going to be so i was just kind of i felt a sense of relief that they didn't have to go through that but i wasn't really emotionally invested great game though it was fun it was a really exciting game really really exciting um i mean obviously was excited four years ago when france won but that final was such a dud you know, France took an early yeah. lead and never let it go. So it wasn't even that exciting. I remember Jared Holt uh, and his now wife came over to watch that game um, four years ago. And it was early. I can't remember what time. We were making, we had like a brunch. And we were making pancakes. And I was like ex- extended into a little bit of the game in the first half, like my cooking process. By the time I was done, which is like just barely into the first half, like the game was over. And it's like, I didn't even really get to watch any of this. So definitely much more exciting. But I think the star of the show, uh, which I think I speak for all of us here at Insurgents LLC, the star of the show was really Salt Bay just somehow being on the field with Argentina, (laughs) trying to get a picture with Messi, trying to grab the... (laughs) the cup biting players medals like just 
this, he's like the worst fucking person. Like I can't. I, can't I also stand really him. enjoyed. I also really enjoyed um, Macron trying to like get involved as well, trying to like console Mbappe, and he was just like, "Get your fucking hands off me!" <laughs> All right, I, okay, it, that was great. Uh, he, that was wonderful. The longer video they did, they did hug. People were sharing like a, a shorter video. Okay, and okay. I think they they are kind of close. Um, there's a bunch of pictures and videos of them together over the Don't years. Don't take this away from me. It is funny. It is funny to think about, but. I do think it would be funny if like Biden was there like to console <laughs> console players. Like I think yeah. that should just be the standard. You should have your president there for sure. To console them, like hug the players. Give them something rub, useful to do. Yeah. Pulisic's head after the game. Give him a little massage. Yeah. Biden's great at those. He's got a lot of practice. <laughs> Give his shoulder rubs to Pulisic. One of the yeah. things that he's known for. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so I'm kind of alarmed because we're on video now and I feel like people are going to see the reflection in my glasses that I'm also watching the basketball game at the same time while we're supposed to be concentrating on this. Yeah. This opens up a whole new avenue of being exposed for not, uh, you know, not being, uh-huh. not paying attention to the, the task at hand. Not good. Not good. Um, no. I'm going to see you clicking all kinds of stuff probably. I'm not, I am, I am. I wanted to see the score of the Raptors game. Oh, you got a close one, so we can wrap this up quick. Cleveland is yeah. running away with it against the Bucks, but who knows? I'm always editing the show, and I hear all the clicking. I hear this constant <laughs> clicking from Jordan's like ADHD uh, uh, distractions, whatever's got I, going on there. I need to see the latest tweets. Yeah, I got to um, see the tweets. I know. The yeah, feeling, now that we're frankly. now that we're doing video, that's our, our the jig is up. Can't I know. Yeah. Can't get away with this shit anymore. I'll probably still do it. You know, <laughs> who's going to uh, hold me accountable? Our, our listeners? Yeah, please. Uh, don't break. Don't ch- don't call his bluff <laughs> on that, please. Um, but we, we are. Yeah, we're, we're doing disparaging the listeners and viewers now. You again. did that recently, my, too. What did you say? No, I don't know. I was it's because I was, I was mocking the non-subscribers. That was it. The lowly non-subscribers, which the is lowly so... non-subscribers. That I don't know. is not how we I'm feel. turning over a new leaf. New year, new me. I'm becoming more of an asshole. Oh, That's no. my new thing. Dear God. Yeah. Some people try to but, improve themselves, not me. I'm going the other <laughs> direction with it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so, but we are doing video now because once we pivoted to two episodes a week, uh, we did see an influx in subscribers. Thank you to people who subscribed. And because of that, we were able to get a new recording platform that had a video component. So uh, we really want to appreciate people who have subscribed. Uh, and uh, we obviously there's so much more we want to do. And your subscriptions make that possible. But we're going to be putting out you know, video clips from the show. We've been putting them on YouTube. Uh, or we'll put them on YouTube. Traditionally, we've just put the audio with a, a tile on YouTube. So now we have video capabilities for YouTube. If that's where you prefer to listen or consume uh, our content and uh, promotional videos in addition to that. So thank you to people who have subscribed and con- to continue to invest in this show and make more things like this possible. We really appreciate people who are considering subscribing or will subscribe. If you go to the insurgents.substack.com, you can become a subscriber, what we call a paid intern uh, for just five bucks a month. And we really, really appreciate it. So thank you to people who have subscribed you get two episodes yeah. a week and now you help support uh more efforts like th- these nifty videos yeah it's uh, doing these kind of video content too is something that we we talked about doing like when we started doing the show and it's just we've been wanting to and just have never really been able to so i'm excited about this new era it was actually funny i saw someone online busted us the other day they were like usually when you say paid intern it means the intern is paid and we're like oh shit they're on to I us. I did like that. I did like that. That was good. Um, not what here, pal. <laughs> yeah. It's not the way we do things over here. It's all about uh, the opportunity, okay? That's right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, if you'd like to become a paid be intern thankful. Uh, and be thankful for mean old Rob, uh, you can go to theinsurgents.substack.com. We really appreciate it. This week, yeah. our, our premium episode this week was with Jessica Burbank who is an economist and political commentator. Uh, she does a lot of stuff with the Young Turks, and a lot of people know her from TikTok. She has really great breakdowns and explainers on different economic issues. She came on the show to talk about you know, the economic indicators that are showing that we are probably in a recession right now and what that means for next year. 
I like that conversation. Uh, I don't know about you, Rob. Really good one, yeah. That was great. Yeah. I remain still just like really impressed, not to toot our own horn there, but really impressed with the quality of guests that we've gotten to come on this program. So I do think when people do subscribe, it's they're, they're really getting something with all the the bonus content that we've been putting out, especially especially lately, including that one with Jessica Burbank. And today's episode is with Taylor Lorenz. we got Taylor Lorenz coming on the program, uh, which is was a really great conversation as well. Yeah, Taylor did a really good story if people saw uh, cutting through Elon's claim Elon Musk's claim that uh, someone who was inspired by the Elon Jet private jet tracker Twitter account stalked him because of that in real time assassination coordinate. The assassination coordinates. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, I remember seeing him. assassination coordinates open up for Chromags back in the early nineties. <laughs> that is know. a good. It is a good band name. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Uh, it's been a ridiculous saga. Um, following Elon on Twitter over the last uh, couple of weeks and months. I mean, I've talked about how, and it's almost annoying that we keep getting sucked into talking about it time and time again, but we can't help it. This man is like, purchased his way into becoming the main character of everyone's lives. We've got to talk about it. And Taylor has been right at the center of all of it. Uh, you know, covering these stories, getting to the bottom of like the actual facts of what is going on, um, beyond the Elon Musk bullshit version of it. So it was good to get her to come on to uh, break that down. And yeah. So speaking of like mean old Rob, crotchety old Rob, that's right. It's the Christmas season. It's I'm in my Scrooge arc, but normally that's you. Like, like I remember last year we talked about this. You're a big Christmas. You're kind of a Christmas hater. Have you come I'm around d- on that? Do you have any Christmas plans going on? Any holiday plans? I've done a 180. I'm a Christmas head now. Okay, nice. Good we've, to know. We've totally inverted the the dynamic here. Yeah, I'm, I'm big it. on. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 buying Christmas this year. I'm, uh, I sold last year. I'm buying buying this the year. dip. Buying yeah. the dip on the Christmas, on Christmas <laughs> spirit. Good. Yeah, I'm festive, Jorby. So. Very uh, good. I think just because I had a really great Christmas with my partner last year, uh, and I'm excited to spend another one with her. So that's it. Just that's just hanging out. Yeah, I don't have any crazy plans either, but I'm also just looking forward to spending time with my family. Um, obviously, when you have kids as well, it does kind of take on. You get to kind of live vicariously through them and get them see them. Uh, enjoy it and get excited about everything so you know we got our we got our tree and everything we got the whole setup happening uh gonna make a nice meal just looking forward to uh looking forward to spending time with them it's gonna be a good time nothing too exciting not doing anything too like crazy or exciting or anything like that but it should be nice i'm looking forward to it yeah i i'm I'm still waiting on uh the insurgents secret santa program to take off. And this is year three and right. I haven't been able to get enough buy-in from my colleagues here to do it. I've been the only one who wanted to do Secret Santa. Uh, my, Judy my from HR was also big on it, but still is not hasn't been able to get it off the ground. Maybe in year four we're going to figure this shit out. I think we're just going to lay Judy off in year four. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling. It's a recession. Need H- who needs HR anyways? What, is the, what are they even right. doing over there? Come yeah. on. Well, how many episodes has she done? Exactly. This is a great question. <laughs> Come on, Judy. You gotta start pulling your weight around here. <laughs> we need to expand the Judy lore next year. I think so, yeah. I think we, we think we gotta have, we should have a Judy appearance. Judy from HR I think needs to appear okay. on the program. We need to figure out who runs that account, happen. but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so funny. Um well obviously it's our HR person, uh Judy. Part of the expanded True. the expanded insurgents universe. Um Anyway, folks, just again, as Jordan, just to reiterate what Jordan was saying, uh, very thankful uh, to have each and every one of you listening to the, the program, tuning in each week. Uh, those of you who are able to subscribe, we really, really appreciate it as well. Uh, looking forward to another year of, uh, of premium insurgents content that you've come to know and love, um, expanding into these new horizons, getting into video and all this stuff. It's really exciting. Um, we're happy to have all you uh, in the audience uh, tuning into the show. We really appreciate it. And I think now is probably a good time to get to our conversation with Taylor Lorenz. Um, It was a really good one yet again. And uh, Taylor will be joining the program right after this. This is exciting. Yeah, what are we doing for small talk? I don't know. 
I mean, I just wanted to talk about this new setup. This is very professional seeming. It's, it's intimidating. Yeah. We're on video here. We're pivoting to video. It's a future. We're pivoting to video. Yeah. The, list, the podcast listeners are like, no, you're not. I'm listening to you right now. Just audio only. <laughs> very confusing. I mean, Taylor, you, you've this been in the This is the first time they've enough. seen our faces. Yeah. They're going to be That's true. They don't shocked. know what we look like. No, they don't. <laughs> You've been in the industry long enough, though. Pivoting to video is always the safest move for any right. any publication the or thing outlet. Is it's it never sus- fails. It's, it's always sustainable. Exactly. Yep. Totally. Yeah. It's still amazing how Facebook, like back in the mid-2000s, kind of got away with that. Just completely, totally lying about all of their numbers and all the the video, the time that view, that users were spending looking at video, and basically destroying the whole publishing industry as all these online outlets switched to chase these Facebook metrics, which turned out to be totally fraudulent. And they were just like, ah, well, whatever. Too bad. But meanwhile, I was there for that. that was, I yeah, exactly. for many of yeah. those websites. And I participated. I mean, I made a lot of Facebook videos back in the day. Uh, we lost we lost some good like publications and the good channels, if you want to call it that. But, like there were some people that were doing like really interesting and fun things on video, and then as soon as they realized, hey, this probably isn't as monetizable as we thought it would be. But also, we're not getting millions of views on every single video like we were told we were. Uh, that that was a huge letdown because a lot of you know funny and creative people and teams just got let go because <laughs> there was no way to afford it uh so yeah just generally fuck, fuck facebook for that now we're yeah. doing it again pivot to video round two now we're doing it on tiktok yeah yeah and instagram uh offered me like not that this is like you know life-changing money 10 bucks a reel last week it was like if you make okay. if you make some reels, we'll give you ten bucks for every reel you make. Maybe it's because I never post, and they're trying to incentivize people who who don't really post a lot to be more active. Stop uh, trying to make reels but, happen, Instagram. Yeah. That's what I mean, yeah, they're trying to are uh, trying to I guess compete with TikTok, and the way they're doing that is giving people ten bucks a video. So I take I it. Three. I mean, I can't take it. That would violate our what? ethics policy. I'm pretty sure, but. If I yeah. wasn't a journalist, 10 bucks a reel, you only have to make 30 to 40 reels a day, and then you got a good salary. Yeah. Good <laughs> How hard could that You're be? You're in the money. Uh, well, I'm trying to get into YouTube, so, you know, that's my pivot to video. As are we. Uh, that's why we're doing this video. Uh, Let's yeah. link and build. We're linking right. and building. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now, I guess, yeah, we, we should probably introduce who we're talking to. Taylor Lorenz, you're back on the show. Uh, thank you for joining us, Taylor. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Is it going well or just... <laughs> How is it going? I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> is it going well? Yeah, yeah, it's going pretty well. Can't it's complain. Going. Good. Okay. Yeah. Any Christmas big... stuff coming up? Yeah. Holiday plans? Um, I am not a religious person. Um, well, however... Either. I know, I but I don't know. Some people are like have real plans uh, to go to the chapel or whatever. No, um, I'm not going I, to mass. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing tree, anything. Tree though, wor- presents, that kind of thing. Any of that? Yeah. Well, I was hoping to travel home, but since our inept leaders won't make it safe for immunocompromised people, I can't fly across the country and see my family. It's too dangerous. So I'm just chilling here in LA, which is not a bad place to spend the holidays, honestly. I thought the pandemic was over, though. That was my understanding from <laughs> from Brandon. Brandon was very explicit about this. Our He's going to come in and shut down lie. the pandemic. No, yeah. one, no one in power ever lies. I like that they've announced it's over multiple times. Yeah, like it's just they really want to drive that point home and reinforce. Don't it's worry, like how guys. Trump it's had over. like nine infrastructure weeks. <laughs> well, he got a lot done, so. I mean, that's he was draining the swamp. All, Come on. All the bridges are are fixed. We have yep. no risk. You know what I learned recently? This is crazy. You know, like, you know, Pittsburgh's iconic for its bridges. Uh, when I was there in August, someone, uh, a colleague who lives there was telling me, like, everyone there kind of knows that, like, the main bridges, uh, all those big yellow bridges, they're all extremely dangerous because they've been neglected. Like maintenance and repairs have been neglected for so oh, long that really? like there's no there's no way that those bridges should be able to handle the amount of traffic that goes over them every day. Uh, and it's basically like a ticking time bomb. And everyone kind of knows it, and everyone just goes about their lives, and they think they're just waiting until 
one of them collapses. But yeah, those those bridges were not built to withstand the amount of traffic that goes over them every day. So great. Trump fixed it, thankfully. (laughs) They finally paved a road by my house recently. And I have to say I was so shocked because there's this one road that has it's like it's so there's so many potholes and it's like true. The trees have grown like through the road where there's like roots poking out of the middle of the road. Anyway, they finally paved it. And I was like, wow, like I was so shocked that something had happened. Um, I was like, I guess this is tax dollars at work. Never seen something like that before. Doing something. It's good. It's sad that that, that causes shock and surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a pothole being filled. Like, it's just, especially local government's reputation for addressing things like that is so bad across the board and just across the country that when something like that does happen, it's like a miracle, uh, which is a, a generally sad state of affairs. Here in Montreal, uh, the whole construction infrastructure, that's all controlled by organized crime, basically. We've offshored We've offloaded it to them. They're the ones that handle all that stuff. Wait, you're in Montreal now? That's where I live, yeah. Have you always been there? I've always been there, yeah. I Why have. did I think you were in D.C.? You have, I, you have D.C. energy. I don't know. I just I hang out with... <laughs> I hang. Unfortunately, <laughs> I have got D.C. friends. I don't know how this happened, but I'm just a humble, you humble have. Canadian, and I have these high-powered Washington insiders... That I'm working with here. I don't know. I don't know how this happened. Now you got a Hollywood That's insider. <laughs> That's yeah, insulting. That insider. DC energy is such a fucking backhanded no, compliment. I know. <laughs> what does that mean even? <laughs> I don't know. But speaking of Hollywood, did you guys see what um, what Ben Smith wrote, recently wrote about Barry? Is no. this a semaphore? Yeah, Ben Smith at Semaphore wrote that Barry Weiss is the toast of liberal L.A., <laughs> Um, oh, and I wonderful. just was laughing at that. That's the <laughs> so amazing that thing. That's really the amazing thing about these like Twitter files is that like Elon Musk has gone so far off the deep end that he's looking, he's making Barry Weiss look like a, some like an, a journalist with integrity, you know, this like liberal or, you know, Oh, she played it perfectly though. Let's give her credit for that. Yeah, she played it perfectly. You sometimes you do have to hand it to her. Clout. She got the clout and then she recognized when it was, you know, like when she could kind of pull out and and then she now she's getting lauded by she really that was masterful yeah yeah perfect timing you gotta get uh, her on the think pod Lee fangs <laughs> yeah uh uh lee fangs was really good yeah that was actually i think yeah, that was, seemed like it was the first reporting. scoop that seemed actually yeah. relevant like we were talking a couple a week or so ago about how you know there's a story there about the crossover with like the establishment and these social media companies the intelligence community the fbi and these social media companies the pentagon department of defense these things there is an actual story there it didn't seem like the people that were leaking all these twitter files were really interested in telling that and then i saw that story by lee fong which was like actually digging into that a little bit which which was very interesting yes yeah that i mean we've known generally that that was happening but seeing exact like the specifics and really drilling into that story is worthwhile. He also coupled it with a, you know, a really substantively reported piece at the Intercept, and unlike his predecessors, explicitly laid out. We didn't agree to any terms. We didn't tell like they didn't yeah. tell us what to publish. They didn't have any editorial oversight. <laughs> they declined. They even declined to comment on Twitter. Declined to comment on the story. Uh, th- that is not the same. Uh, for <laughs> for others, uh, yeah, Taibi wrote the very first night he did it on Substack that he agreed to s- some terms to do this and never said what those were. Um, I think Barry said that she had to publish on Twitter first. That was her agreement with them. But the Intercept didn't, and Lee didn't do any of that. Uh, probably beyond just posting on Twitter first. Uh, but Taylor, you're here to talk about your reporting uh, on. Twitter and Elon Musk this is, I guess, a good segue into that. Uh, over the past week or so, stemming back to, or stemming out of, uh, his claims that the Elon Jet Twitter account that tracked his private jet movement somehow led to an incident where someone jumped on the hood of his car, or a car, where his son was allegedly inside. Now, that he used as justification to ban a bunch of journalists who covered the suspension of the Elon Jet account. And then a couple of days later, you were banned for asking questions for the story that you did really investigating his claims. Uh, but the justification for 
your ban wasn't that you were covering the jet it was that you i shared uh, an instagram used, link <laughs> yeah it was That's you were the no you were the con you were like the catalyst for this rule that got rolled back like 18 hours later where he made it up literally links. yeah he literally made it up i mean it was so funny because it was i think he looked at my twitter profile and was like what can we ban her for and my top tweet that was like pinned was promoting. I mean, I was aggressively promoting my social media accounts. Obviously, I'm trying to get off the Titanic. But yeah, it's still unclear. So that rule was like weirdly deleted, but he didn't ever formally retract it. So I'm still scared to share my Instagram account, Taylor Lorenz at Instagram. This is definitely the best way to run a social media company. Definitely. Well, I think he's been taking some advice from his top advisors, Cat Turd and Ian Miles Chong. They're both they're both on there giving him the the, the advice. So. He's going to confer with them. He's going to get back to us when they've come up with something. But Taylor, could you give us a little bit of background on this incident where someone allegedly jumped on the hood of uh, his security guard's car and uh, like he claimed his son was inside his his son that with the alphanumeric name that he just calls X, which I really feel bad for that kid growing up with that name, but. What happened? Did this happen? Did someone jump on the hood of Elon Musk's security guard's car? And uh, was and it related to the Elon Jet account sharing assassination coordinates? Does that are there any are these linked in any way whatsoever? As he tried yeah. to suggest, was this that guy were? a trained assassin? Well, let's talk about facts. <laughs> <laughs> was he in the League of Shadows? This is the question. <laughs> I mean, the the simple fact is is that um, there was over twenty or about twenty four hours. I actually think it was twenty three hours. Between um, when his jet, you know, the jet coordinates were tweeted when the jet was in the air when it landed um, and when all this happened. So the jet landed and then 23 hours later is when this incident took place. A full day later in a, in a separate city, you know, Pasadena is not L.A. Um, so it was a full day later, nowhere near the airport that he flew into. Um, and it seems to be a totally unrelated incident. Um also, his characterization of the incident is just bizarre and, and it, it, wrong. Like, I mean, you mentioned the jumping on the hood. Um, so I, I was able to identify the man in the video. By the way, he tweeted, oh, you know, who's this guy in the video? Okay, I identified him. I Sorry, I identified him, you know, before the police had identified him, actually. And we tried to get in touch with Elon thinking, oh, you know, you just tweeted this out to millions of people. Surely you would be interested in this information. That's when I got banned. Um but, you know, um, he, yeah, so he sort of said, oh, this guy jumped on, on the car. What it looks what looks to have happened is that this guy pulled into a gas station, the Arco station in Pasadena, South Pasadena. Um, the security guard followed him there, blocked off his car and started filming him. That's the video that you've seen on Twitter. That's like he's filming this guy who's masked and he's like, you know, got you. And then he films his license plate. Um, subsequently, after that video, the security guard gets in his car and then the guy who's accused of stalking him hops out of the car and starts filming the security guard's license plate. So he stands in front of the security guard's car. The security guard starts inching his car forward, kind of driving into this guy's legs. And so you see this guy kind of he touches the hood to kind of like hop off, almost get away from the car because the car's about to run him over, right? So he kind of, that's why it's classified as a hit and run with the South Pasadena police. It's because the security guard was allegedly trying to run over the suspect. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so he's like, he like touches the hood and hops out of the way. And then, you know, the security guard drives away and actually doesn't even stay and talk to the police. Now we don't know what happened before, you know, they entered the gas station, but there's no evidence that his son was present during this altercation. And second of all, um, you know, no evidence that we have yet. And, and second of all, there's also zero evidence linking this guy who's apparently known to kind of believe things about Grimes, that she's sending him messages or something, you know, like there's no evidence linking him to the Elon Jet account at all. In fact, he was totally unaware of that account, apparently. Um, so once again, it just it doesn't make any sense. And his plane landed almost a day before. So even so, it's not like this guy was waiting at the airport. It doesn't make any sense. 
Well, I noticed he was at the World Cup the next day as well, sharing his own assassination coordinates with everybody. It's weird that's how arbitrary that is. Now, all of a sudden, like, it's somehow, do- that's what doxing is now. They've changed the definition of what doxing means to just, like, anytime my remote location is revealed in any way, now you're doxing me. Why are you doxing me? Not you're putting location. my family in danger. I think I think doxing is kind of the new groomer in the sense that like it's a word that has essentially lost all meaning and yeah. it's sort of used by the right to um, infer some sort of nefarious thing. And I mean, yeah, he, I mean, I guess he said he replied to someone saying, oh, I was banned for previous doxing, which ele- people thought, oh, maybe that's like the libs of TikTok thinks. Obviously, that's what libs of TikTok keep saying. Once again, I did not docs libs of tiktok and rob speaking of what you're saying libs of tiktok hi right tweeted a photo of me at her front door where yeah. you can see the street that she lives on and not just the street she lives on the house that she lives on she tweeted that out it's it's yeah, that, crazy that's your fault though that's your fault she tweeted it out you just, <laughs> yeah her hand was her hands are tied <laughs> crazy. yeah I, I i i'm with you it's just like that word is you it, it has gone from Holy shit, someone just did a paste bin with my full name, my address, my social security number, my phone number, all my email addresses, the same for all my family members. You know, that's that's doxing. To I run this anonymous account where I just screech at people and harass strangers all day. Someone just told other people who is behind it. That's not doxing. Yeah. Like that's just revealing who is behind an anonymous account. And especially if these people with those accounts are making news, that's newsworthy. Like you should know especially if those who's accounts behind are, these people. Especially if those accounts are targeting trans people and trying to get gay yeah. people fi- gay teachers fired. I mean and explicitly yeah, I have, I have like no sharing people's places where they work, the specific schools they work and encouraging yeah. people to contact the schools and like get like that's literally the definition of it. And then they're complaining yeah. anytime. I mean, this is always the thing with the right, right? This kind of bully act where um, the the rules don't really apply to any of them. But the moment that there's any pushback, the moment there's any criticism, that's when they. It's like the, you know, the World Cup. It's like they go and they fall down and grabbing the grabbing the the knee or whatever, like one of these soccer guys. Um, it's what it's it's the it's the same strategy time and time again. You know, they provoke and provoke and provoke, and the moment there's one iota of consequences. They complain like they're being tar- targeted. I'm reminded of, uh, you know, years ago now when Sarah Huckabee Sanders got politely asked to leave the Red Hen restaurant after the Trump administration is like deliberately separating migrant kids from their parents and putting them in these fucking horrible camps. And then someone in the Red Hen restaurant's like, I would like you to leave, please. And then there's a week long discourse about conservatives being targeted for their beliefs and things like that. It's just fucking shameless. It just happens time and time again process is still going on very frustrating yeah i i just have zero sympathy for people who do that kind of shit behind the you know the cloak of anonymity and when their identity is revealed it's like hey no you interjected yourself into the public discourse with this kind of behavior you don't get anonymity here no when you're harassing school teachers who have no idea who you are and when you're harassing children's hospitals and that is like that's something you spend hours doing every single fucking day no, you don't get anonymity. You you want to be part of the public discourse and you want to help shape these narratives. People get to know who you are. Yeah. I, don't, I don't fucking care. Sharing their name, like just sharing their their name, is not doxing. I I, I don't. It's but I think you're your again. It's lost all meaning. The the the, the yeah. word is just it's just a buzzword for the right at this point. We got to stop teaching them these words. Um, did you? I, like I was asking Jordan about this earlier, but Taylor, did you see that clip earlier of of the space that Elon Musk was in uh, last night? I believe where someone basically pushed back a little bit at what the the sort of like tech jargon he was using, talking about how they needed some kind of total rewrite of the code or whatever, and using throwing out all these terms. And someone just asked him this basic, simple question, like, "Hey, can you expand on that? What you mean by that?" And he just turned into this blubbering, stuttering mess, and totally had a meltdown and freaked out. You know, it was very entertaining on the one hand, but at the same time, it was relatable to me because I'm also someone that is often goes into panic mode when someone asks me basic questions about my job and what I do for a living. So I understood on that level, but I'm also not the world's richest man, this big shot CEO industrialist guy. Did you see that? 
I didn't see that, but I need someone to share that with me immediately. I think it's hilarious that he's he's just not technical. Like he doesn't understand oh. technical things very well, it seems. And it's very funny. It's like that when he got all that stuff wrong and the engineer corrected him, you know, on on Twitter. I can't remember what it was about. Uh, it was, it was like, something with Android. Yeah. And it was the guy it was one of the guys who works on the Android side or did work on the Android <laughs> Android side of Twitter, and he's using terms that are not relevant to that type of work. And the guy was just telling him, like, this isn't what happens. This is not how any of this works. And then he got fired on Twitter. I know. It's just so funny. I like, I used to literally a decade ago run um, the Verizon developer community, uh, which is people building, it was like apps for Verizon phones and stuff or whatever. And um, I just remember, like, learning very quickly like I, you know i i could build websites and stuff so i was like i get it i android development whatever how hard can this be and it's like you get these little things wrong and you sound like a total idiot i would never claim to know what i'm talking about in that area and yet elon it's like he he's ceo of these companies i actually think people would be sympathetic if he was like look i don't know the technical details on this but it's like that alpha male kind of like oh yeah you know the rpus and the yeah. cpg it's like, dude, just <laughs> the st- shut this, up. You yeah, the stack saying. is really these high velocity. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just high bullshit. Velocity. I mean, <laughs> this is like that's, I mean, that's, that's the term the, he used. High velocity. Yeah, yeah. This is just like the amazing thing about about the sort of what has been revealed about Elon Musk over the last couple of years, really, but especially over the last months, is his like carefully cultivated image is just has just been completely shattered and exposed for everyone to see. And like he, you know, there was that one time when like the the image that he projects is that he's this like brilliant genius engineer inventor rocket scientist. He knows about coding. He doesn't know any of that shit. He knows nothing about it. He's a rich guy that has money, and then as gotten a little bit lucky investing in a few things and probably has an as an identifiable skill of like doing these kind of guerrilla marketing campaigns and getting people to talk about his products you know that's probably the thing that i would say that he's actually good at doing he doesn't know about any of this stuff he's not an engineer he doesn't know about physics he doesn't know about rocketry he certainly doesn't know how to code doesn't know anything about the social running a social media website but he's a lot of his whole brand is relied on this con of convincing people that he's some fucking expert in all these different things and is completely false and that's what's become more and more obvious to everyone uh, over the last little bit yeah there was a good piece in npr cutting through some of this bullshit so they they talked about how uh, as I'm sure both of you saw and most of our listeners saw, he did this poll saying, all right, do you want me to step down as CEO? I will abide by the results of this poll. And the yes votes won overwhelmingly. NPR, in its coverage of, okay, is he going to step down? He says he's going to once they find a new CEO. Uh, we could. I, I would like Taylor's thoughts on like potential replacements, but in this, in the coverage of this poll and whether or not he actually will step down, NPR wrote, the announcement comes in the wake of Musk holding an embarrassing public poll that revealed a majority of Twitter users do not want him to continue as the company's CEO. While he's promised to abide by the results, he has also promised to fix the water in Flint, create a $35,000 electric car, build a high-speed tunnel between New York and Washington, put one million robo-taxis on the road by 2020, and fix world hunger, and he hasn't done any of that stuff. But even though he ha- he might not have to listen to his customers, he does have to listen to his shareholders, and his Tesla investors are not happy with Elon spending his days replying laugh- laughing face emoji to Cat Turd 2 instead of doing any real work which is great ouch but i'm actually shocked Who that, wrote like, that? An outlet. give them a pulitzer uh, npr i yeah. would not have expected go off Who NPR. Wrote that? What wrote at that? npr oh bobby's good damn he's a good journalist <laughs> but i mean uh, the fact that npr is willing to kind of take this stance i think is indicative that there has been a big shift in people's perception of musk like even npr which i would i would classify as this outlet that's normally kind of paralyzed with not wanting to seem partisan not wanting to rock the boat too much and the fact that they're willing to, to publish that i think really shows how far he's fallen over the last little while and how much his his total grift has been exposed so taylor you know part of uh this conversation also is about the the road ahead and who could replace him and you know, i think two of the people that many assume could be potential replacements are david sachs and jason calganis um should people expect some 
you know, markedly different approach from either of them should they take over as CEO. Because they both seem like, for, to me, someone who doesn't really know a lot about this stuff or Silicon Valley or all these people's roles and, and, and different uh, titles and levels of significance beyond just they have a bunch of money and they kind of have their fingers in a bunch of different pots. But ultimately, these guys both seem like Elon loyalists and yes men. Uh, could this be a scenario where they take over as the figurehead, but him in his potentially new role as running servers and software, which doesn't seem like a real title or something that makes a lot of sense, uh, would we see anything different? Or would he still kind of be calling the shots as the owner and they're just there to take the heat when things go bad? Well, I think exactly what you said, you know, earlier is that they're Elon loyalists. And I think for Elon, it's not about having the most qualified people in the job. It's having the most loyal people in the job, people that are going to essentially do his bidding, not challenge him. We know he doesn't like to be challenged. Um, and so in that sense, David and Jason are perfect, right? These are guys that he he knows very well. They're friends of his. Um, they've proven loyal. Um, you know, David Sachs has been, he's very smart about SaaS businesses, um, like business, B2B type businesses. Um, he has this app call in, which has some social functionality. It's like a social audio app, but in zero ways is he qualified, I would say, to lead a company like Twitter. I mean, he's just, he doesn't have that relevant experience. Um, and also, he just constantly believes misinformation. Like he's, he says, you know, I was, I unfortunately, I have to admit, I am a listener to the All In podcast, um, and you know, he just, he's wrong. Like he, he's just sort of factually wrong on a lot of stuff. So who knows what kind of a CEO he would be? Um, yeah, Jason, Jason has media experience, but once again, I mean, I mean, Jason very presciently invested early in Uber, as we all know. Um, but I don't know, you know, I don't I don't know necessarily that that he would bring much change or innovation to Twitter. I, I just don't know. I, I truly don't know. Jason Jason has built a very successful media you know, business, though. Is he the guy that's been bending over backwards to, like, defend every single terrible decision that Musk has been making lately? That's the guy. Yeah. OK. But here's the thing. Here's the <laughs> that thing. Sounds about like, right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to narrow that down because it's <laughs> yeah. got a few. What I would say what we need Jason more of those is guys. What Jason is is also very good at is is media and um online attention and you know creating media content and hype and things like that. That's actually what Elon's already good at. So I don't I don't think there would be that much of a like differing skill set, right? Elon's just very good at something that Jason is pretty good at. So I think um I think he should I mean, in a, in a better world, he would bring in someone qualified for the job. Instead, it's like between these two friends of his. And I think his real qualification is just like, who's going to, you know, do what I ask. Where does Jared Kushner fit into all this? Because famous, because like when he when he appeared at the World Cup with all those Saudi and Qatari investors, he was standing with uh, with Kushner, um, and that's the night that he posted that poll. Because you got the sense—I don't know how much truth there is to this—but you got the sense that the big investors in Saudi Arabia and Qatar that backed him on this deal are not exactly very happy with the job that he's been doing, um, and we're uh, we're putting some kind of pressure on him. I don't know if there's any truth to that or not but I'm wondering where where Kushner fits into all this or if he could be a possible candidate as well. Oh god, I don't think so. I don't think he would do it. I think he's a money, you know, money person and, yeah. and connections and political connections, but I don't think we're going to see Twitter CEO Jared Kushner. I just don't see that. I don't think he wants to do that much work. Um And good for him. None of us do. Yeah. yeah. He's quiet quitting. <laughs> Jared Kushner's quiet quitting. It's fucking millennials. Uh Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't really buy that claim and i saw just what seems to be just kind of like like a clout hungry account that purports to be just some young democratic woman post that and be like oh reports show that jared kushner is expected to be the next ceo and it's just like her whole account is kind of doing like the breaking thing and then Who just copying and pasting someone else i don't know the name but i see it a lot and it's Sounds like, like growing really quickly. Democrat influencer. But I don't think account. it's a real person. I would bet this is not a real person. Um, What's well, a real it's person? Like, it's not the identity that they're pretending to be, right? Right. Yeah. Send it, it just to seems me. Send like it some sort of scammy send it to account. Me when you see it, I want to check it out. 
yeah it's it's growing quickly and it's just like a lot of like breaking and then something else another outlet or reporter has confirmed but then like this is just like just baseless rumors and i don't think it's actually even being considered by anybody like you say it's probably some, not something that he wants it's probably not something that anybody at twitter or investors want he's just like he's close with the saudis now because of his invest or the investment that he received in his uh uh his firm from the saudis which definitely seems you know politically motivated because it happened like shortly after the end of the trump administration and they were ex- especially cozy with the saudis during the trump administration so he's just there because he's close with both of them and like you say he's a money guy I think I could be the CEO of Twitter. I don't think it seems that hard. As much as he's complaining, he's complaining like it's this big burden. Only I can do this. Only I can bring the light of civilization by eliminating the woke mind virus. I don't think it seems that difficult. I think I could do a great job doing that. You know what? I I, should do it. I think there's idiots at at every level of every job, and you know, and there's so much nepotism in the world. And so, you know, Rob, I agree. I think you could do the CEO. Thank you don't you. want a nepo baby as a Twitter <laughs> CEO. <laughs> well, I mean, it's and it's just everything that's been going on with with Elon Musk is, I think, so emblematic of because it's when we talk about Elon's kind of how one how he's a fraud, he's a huckster, whatever you want to call it, grifter. I mean, really, he's just emblematic of the entire kind of Silicon Valley capitalist model, right? It's not Elon Musk, but it's Elizabeth Holmes. It's the entire, that's, that's the economic model of Silicon Valley is just hype and bullshit promising things that you can never possibly deliver under delivering and trying to, trying to swindle the the money guys and trying to swindle the banks and creating a big, big marketing campaigns and hype about these fake products. Um, this is not just Musk. He's probably the most prominent example of some, one of these success stories, but like this is the entire Silicon Valley business model. Um, and I I think Musk is kind of exposing that for everybody. It, it's not just Musk too. It's like Sam Bankman Freed. And yeah, there's so many, yeah. how many of these guys have to fall for us to see that they're all full of shit. Well, I mean, especially when it comes to the crypto thing, you have all these other like big crypto exchanges, like, don't worry, we're not a scam. Like these other, these other failing, uh, failing crypto exchanges. It's like, no, you really are like this. It's only a matter of time before all these things are exposed. Like, I don't see how people are still holding on to the idea that this is still a real thing. I mean, the, I think the writing has kind of been on the wall for a while. Um, it's kind of a question I was wondering, I guess, when it comes to these crypto, crypto acolytes, when it comes to like Musk fanboys, like how, you know, it seems so alien to me, someone still holding on to this idea that these people are still geniuses, that they, they do still know what they're doing, even when it's really obvious that they're, that they don't. Um, I think part of it is, yeah, an unwillingness. People have like an unwillingness to admit that they got conned. You know, I don't want to admit that like I've put all my, all my resources, I've devoted this big chunk of my personality to supporting these things. And when I admit that I've been kind of, that these people are total frauds, it means that uh, there's something wrong with me that I bought it. You know, I think that's a big part of it because it's like, I don't know what more needs to happen for people to realize like the, to see what's been going on in Silicon Valley and to see all these people that we've touted as being these like civilization saved tech geniuses how it's all fraud you know and and like it's i don't know what more needs to happen for people to start to grasp this well it's i think you they buy into that mythology that these guys are separate and geniuses and all that stuff because it like you said rob it's just it reinforces like this worldview that they've that they have and they don't want that worldview to shatter they don't want to see that hey actually all these guys are massive unqualified idiots because then it's like well then why are they richer than me you know yeah so exactly and it's like and frankly like it's not even silicon valley it's it's our entire economic model. It's our government as well. You know, it's when you start digging into who the people that are making these decisions, these titans of industry and these political and media power players, it's a lot of the same thing. Like it's in, um, that's, that's an alarming thing to kind of come to grips with when you realize the people that are supposed to be steering the ship that we're supposed to trust are these elite, elite folks that come from these elite education backgrounds and are groomed for for greatness from the time that they're young. Talk about Nepo babies. Um, and you realize that like it's it's none of these people have any clue what they're doing um that's a kind of an alarming thing it's a it's a difficult thing to wrap your mind around no i i agree rob and i think one of the one of the areas we really see that and we especially see that right now uh is covid because the government we've talked about this before i think we were both just kind of fl- i don't know if we would say floored but just you know disappointed but not surprised 
at especially the U.S. government, but governments at large, response to COVID and how now with over a million dead in this country, still uh, they're trying to insist it's over. You don't need any precautions. You don't need masks. They've just completely abandoned any semblance of preventative measures uh, or insisting that preventative measures are necessary. The only real COVID messaging from the government that I ever get is uh, my you know local government calling and texting every so often to be like, yeah, you can get a second booster. And that's it. Now, Taylor, I know you've been uh, outspoken about how this government, <laughs> the government, the country has sucked on COVID for a while now. So now with the holiday season, uh, you know, we see for the past few years, cases increase because of holiday travel. And there's no, you know, mask mandates on flights. Uh, people are encouraged to take their masks off if they want. And that's this has long been the case, but it's going to get worse now that, you know, holiday travel season is in full swing. You've been outspoken about this. Um, I'm curious uh, what you have been seeing and, and talking about because, you know, people just don't care. Like we were joking, uh, I think, before we started recording that the pandemic is is over and multiple people have declared that the pandemic is over. Both Trump and Biden have now done it. So obviously it's not, uh, but but we're seeing an increase in cases. What's what's going on? What's going on is that we've taken no steps to mitigate the pandemic. The virus has not changed except to get more pathogenic. You know, it's it's more easily spread. Like it, it, we, it. That was Rob. Okay, that's what I'm hearing. Sorry, it must be. Sorry, Rob. I think I'm hearing you do some ASMR. <laughs> I don't know why I can hear it. It's so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I don't know why I suddenly just started to hear it. I, I thought maybe it was, but, um, anyway, sorry. Yeah. I mean, w we're in a very bad situation, um, right now because the government has essentially given up. Um, as you mentioned, they've taken this individualized approach where they're basically like, you're on your own. Um, you know, you can imagine just if people had done this before with things like clean water, right? I mean, imagine if cholera was rampant. We had no clean water as many places in the U.S. don't actually. And and, you know, you're told, oh, we'll just carry around a water filter, you know, um, just boil everything before you drink it. That's unsustainable. We need we, we need clean water. And this is the same thing with covid and airborne pathogens. Right. It's not enough to say, oh, we'll just, you know, avoid anybody with covid and wear an N95 mask. I mean, but say you have a tiny gap in that mask. Right. You're suddenly infected. Um, it's just it's unsustainable. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. You can't take an individualized approach to public health. We need clean air. This is an airborne virus. You get it through the air. You get it for breathing it in like smoke. Um, and so we need better ventilation. We need paid sick leave. I mean, the fact that they're sending people back to work when they're covid positive is is it's just this is all crimes against humanity. I mean, we should care about this stuff. And I think a lot of people on the left, um, you know, it's very scary because they're promoting, you know, you'll see these people just repeat far right talking points on COVID about the pandemic being over. They're super anti-mask and, you know, just not in solidarity with disabled people. We saw this on Twitter, right? When that disabled person was saying, you know, look, I support unions, I support strikes, but it's not inclusive when you guys aren't even wearing masks on the picket line. And it's very ironic because a lot of these people are striking for COVID protections. Can you guys do that? Right. And you saw this horrible backlash of people just saying the most disgusting, ableist stuff alive. We need to have solidarity with each other. We need to care about each other. And we need to, you know, protect the most vulnerable people. The overwhelming number of people that are dying are not privileged elites, you know, rich white people. Um, they are poor people. They are workers that are getting infected time and time again. The vaccinations do not stop transmission, sadly. And, you know, they also do not prevent long COVID, which we know is disabling millions of people, um, keeping people out of the workforce. And you're just more likely to have all of this happen if you're um, if you're a low wage worker. So I mean, what should the government be doing? I think we can okay, well, that. let's go back to this yeah. stuff. What should the government be doing? I mean, we can start with paid leave. I mean, why are we sending people to their jobs when they're sick? We know that long COVID is more likely to happen if you exert yourself early on and you don't take time to rest. And so, you know, if you are a service worker, or a construction worker, like some of my family members, you know, you have to be back on that job site. You don't you don't get 
time off in the same way, or if you or your time off is unpaid, right? Or you don't you don't have that ability. Um, what else could we do? I mean, masking right now. Masking is one thing that protects against all variants. Masking only works when everyone does it. You uh, masking one way might protect you for a little bit, but say you don't have a perfect seal, which ninety nine percent of people are not going to have a perfect seal in their N ninety five because they're not fit testing it. Um, th- if you have a high circulating amount of virus in the air you know, one little breath and you're infected. And when you allow that higher number of virus, the higher sort of volume of virus to circulate in the air, when you are infected, you're infected with a higher viral load than you would be if everyone was wearing masking. So masking is a simple thing that everyone can do. And by the way, I mean, high quality masking, KN94 and 95s, which the government should be giving away for free. Um, And then I think, you know, listening to disabled activists and advocating, you know, for the things that they're asking for, there's tons of local measures that they've tried to get, remote schooling, remote options um, for certain things. I mean, there's there's a litany of, of different policies, but the government doesn't, uh, ventilation standards, right? Even just ventilation standards in public schools. You see that these CDC, you know, executives are sending their kids to schools that have, that spent millions of dollars upgrading ventilation. Meanwhile, you're expected to shove your kids in private school where there's no protections at all. Um, or sorry, public school, not private schools. Private schools have, <laughs> a lot of them have, up, a lot of them have upgraded. Once again, this is just a class dis- class issue and it's a workers' rights issue. And it's it's just, it's so many things and it's terrifying that people don't care. And I don't know about you, I've lost so many people during the past two years. I mean, I've had more deaths than I care to think about of people that I that were I was close friends with people my own age, um, you know, a lot of older people too, but loved ones. And and you'll hear people talk and I, you know, I ask certain people and it's like they don't know a single person that died of COVID. Imagine having that level of privilege. Yeah. The school thing I think is really tough. I mean, I'm I'm generally anti kid. <laughs> but like people <laughs> insisting, like, oh no. We, we, no more remote learning. I'm not making my kid wear a mask in schools. Have you seen your kid? He's fucking eating his boogers and like putting toys in his mouth. Like, I don't want that kid being some sort of fucking vector in, in your home or communities. Cause they all go, the- like, kids are always fucking sick. And then you want to throw them in a school without any masks or any preventative measures. I mean, it's not, right, exactly. And also, here's the thing. I mean, we know that this is normalized in other countries that have very high achieving populations, right? Especially in Asia, there's Korea, Japan, there's masking to a level that we don't have here for purely, you know, political reasons, basically. Um, and with the with the other stuff in terms of schooling, there are ways to make schools safe for children. I mean, ventilation, um, sick, you know, sick days for when kids need to stay out. A lot of these schools are forcing COVID positive children to come back into school. Um, you know, I understand kids needing to be back in school because their parents need to work. Not everyone has access to childcare, but that's why we need to create a healthy environment. It is not safe for children to be infected with this very dangerous virus that can kill them. Children can also get long COVID. It's not like this doesn't affect children um, repeatedly, you know, and we're already seeing that with the rise in these co-infections because we know that COVID can harm your immunity and make you more susceptible to things like the flu and RSV. Yeah. I mean, as someone that has a kid in school and has through this whole period, I mean, it's been a really scary time. And um, I think that's one of the, it's been a real source of frustration for me which is hearing the endless complaints from these kind of anti-vax types complaining that like our kids or us are being experimented on somehow or that they're the idea that they have to work like do schooling from home is like part of some social control or social experiment or these vaccines are part of some experiment and make no mistake like it's hard it's kids especially young kids trying to do distance learning it was not easy it was a very difficult time you know trying to get my kid to to do that but i think that's where the frustration is for me is that as much as these people complain about vaccines being part of as part of some experiment, some mass medical experiment. The real experiment that's going on right now is the fact that we've just allowed this virus to run rampant into our society with no understanding about how that's going to affect people in the future. My son had COVID a couple months ago and he recovered really quickly, but we don't know what that's done to his immunity. Like he's, he's had a persistent colds and sickness and stuff like that. You know, it's like, that's the experiment. That's the grand medical experiment that we're a part of. And these people have gotten everything that they've wanted, you know? 
But it's not an experiment, right? It's happening. It's not, it's not just, it's not like we already know, Rob, so much about the long-term harm of COVID. We know about long COVID and we know that children get long COVID. And so it's just, I mean, I cannot imagine as a parent being comfortable with that. I, it's, it's terrifying and it's eugenics because so many of these parents, they think, oh, well, my kid's fine. My kid, you know, my kid's healthy and I have enough money, right, to get them early treatment or put them on Paxlovid or whatever. Um, and I, I just think, you know, in, in regards to the vaccine stuff, um, you know, obviously get your children vaccinated. That's, that's a huge thing you should do. But we know that vaccines don't stop you from getting COVID, right? They might maybe reduce, you know, well, they, we don't know. They, they do reduce somewhat the chance of infection, but we all know a million people that have been vaccinated and gotten COVID many times. It doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. So you would think that parents would take those extra steps. But I think, I, I think that a lot of parents don't, you know, people just don't, they don't want to think of the worst. They want to, they want to believe our leaders when our leaders say, oh, everything's okay. Don't worry. Just get back to work. You know, just don't listen to the doctors over there telling you anything. Um, and they, they don't believe it'll happen to them. They believe it'll happen to poor people, frankly. They believe, you know. Yeah. And if it does happen to them, they've got the money and the resources and the health insurance to get them adequate care. Like any time a political leader or, or even a political figure gets sick, they are quickly you know, exactly. taken care of. They're, they get a ton of treatment and they're fine relatively quickly compared to someone who you know doesn't have health insurance or can't afford to take time off work doesn't have unlimited vacation days like members of congress do or, or basically the president so it's like for them it's fine so there's no urgency for them to implement new you know uh, social safety net programs to respond to something that morally and societally demands it it's it's, it's really frustrating and also, you know, you hear people say, well, what are we supposed to do? You know, mask forever, which is, by the way, they're condemning vulnerable and disabled people to masking forever. And they tell the same people to stay inside their homes and never leave. It's ridiculous. But by declaring the pandemic over, you're also thwarting um, investment in, you know, new therapeutics and treatments. You know, a lot of people don't realize we have zero monoclonal antibodies that work against COVID, right? Monoclonal antibodies have been saving people's lives, especially vulnerable people, because a lot of people cannot take Paxlovid because of the drug interactions or because, it, you know, the liver stuff, kidney stuff. So we have zero left. You know, all those monoclonal antibodies that Trump got, that Biden got, we have none of them work. We have not one that works against variants, the new variants. I got Evusheld. I'm severely immunocompromised. I qualified for Evusheld, which was this treatment for people that don't generate antibodies from the vaccine, basically. Um, it's now been irrelevant. It's rendered irrelevant against the newer variants. It's like, it doesn't work at all. So it's just, it's, it's such a ticking time bomb. It's so irresponsible. You know, by saying just close your eyes and move on, we're not even in, you know, building better vaccines. At least China's already, in, you know, um, invested in developing nasal vaccines that might prevent sterilizing or might, you know, provide sterilizing immunity. We don't even have that. It's like these it's it's ridiculous. It's kind of interesting what's been happening in China as well. And, and the way that zero COVID in China was framed in Western media yeah. as being this terrible yeah. authoritarian social control yeah. uh, regime or whatever. And now a lot of the same people that have been fear mongering that about that for years are now flipping over and saying, look at COVID. And now that they've started to ease these restrictions and there's you're seeing a huge spike in infections in China. Now the same people are saying, look at how they're mismanaging that. Um, but that's the thing. And I don't want to frame, I don't want to suggest that zero COVID was like a perfect policy for there or that it wasn't difficult for people living under these big lockdowns in, in China. But I mean, it's hard to imagine a situation where they could continue on that policy for years and years indefinitely when the entire rest of the world just basically gives up um, and it's only them that are really holding but out and trying to, trying to maintain this policy. Already, they're in a better position than we are already because they're ahead of the game and they haven't had two years of deaths. I mean, yeah. just every death that we can prevent is valuable. Every life is valuable. We should be working to protect vulnerable people and minimize deaths. I you know I do I support authoritarian governments doing endless lockdowns. Of course not. But there are we know that it's an airborne virus. We have clean drinking water theoretically in a lot of the country. And yet we have no, you know, no attention to clean air. And that's yeah. a huge problem. They've also been spending spending the last three years making sure that they've built enough infrastructure in terms of hospital beds and units that they can actually take care of the number of people that are that they they're, they're going to need to, which didn't really exist in 2020. And now there's a, there's more 
of infrastructure that's in place. There's more. I mean, it's not perfect. There's definitely a lot of death and a lot of tragedy. And I think the people there, I feel for them. It's horrible. I mean, like I said, I've lost so many people in the past two and a half years. I can't, I, it's, I just, it's horrible. We should try to protect lives, especially yeah. vulnerable people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's a good place to wrap. Um, thanks so much, Taylor, for, for joining us, for helping us better understand what's happening at Twitter and around the world with COVID. <clears throat> Two things you are uh, you are very uh, efficient at communicating about. So I really appreciate your time uh, and, and your insights here. Where can people find you and your work and your other links? Which are we we do allow promotion of other links? Yeah, that's allowed show. on this program. A different it's not against the TO <laughs> the insurgency OS. Yeah. Um, I well Instagram Taylor Lorenz. I'm Taylor, Taylor at Taylor Lorenz on TikTok. Um, I am still on Twitter, but much less. Um, I'm on, I think I'm like Taylor Lorenz at mastodon.social. Um, I'm pretty much just Taylor Lorenz everywhere. And you know, you guys know where to find me. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, Taylor. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Ken in our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. <laughs>